Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Saying, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this it's written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you have found him, bring him back. Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. They saw the star. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and then being divinely warmed in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country in another way. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. He sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Father again, Thank you for the opportunity to come, to be in your presence, to go back and remember the time that's a wonderful, hope-filled time for all of those today who call upon the name of the Lord. Father, in this time, help us to grow in our faith and help us to grow in the understanding of who you are and what this season means to us. Lord, I pray that those that came in, that they don't like Christmas very much. I pray that today they'll leave and it'll be different and they'll realize what he did for us. They'll realize who he is. They'll realize what the, all the circumstances surrounding it and how marvelous and miraculous it is. And for all this, God, we do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. But when I look at the story of Herod, I realize that, that he had some control issues. Do you know anybody that has control issues? Is it the person sitting right next to you that has control issues? Don't look at them. But everybody has the ability to, everybody has control. They can do one of two things. You can, be, you can give your control or you can take it. It can be held on to or it can be offered to another. But everybody says something with the control that they've been given in their life. There's atheists, we've got agnostics, we've got anti-theists, we've got deists. We've got skeptics, we've got free thinkers, we've got humanists, we've got pantheists, we've got Catholics, we've got Muslim and Hindu, we have Christians. But the question is, remains in the life of every single person, even in the life of Herod, is who will you give your control to? That's what I want to talk to you today about. Who will you give control of your life to? The story of Herod's one where we read, where we saw he was a hard man. Obviously, to do the things that he did, he had to be a, a very hard man. He, he was appointed by Rome. He was given his position through years of, of, of working his way through the political spectrum. He was self-made. Nobody had to give him his position. Caesar himself, through his, his obedience, had given him position. He did. 
have one wife and three children executed because he was afraid they were trying to take his throne. Can you imagine having a wife and children executed just to hold on to what you... He had a difficult position to be in because the Jews were a very peculiar group of people. The Jews were those that they just they, they really didn't care about the political climate. They were going to worship God the way they saw fit. They were going to live their life the way they saw fit, so that was difficult for, for, a, for a leader. So he was in between a group of people who were rebellious by nature, and then there was in between Caesar who wanted all the world to become Romanized. So he was trying to keep the Jews happy, but also keep Caesar as well. And in the midst of that, he ordered the killing of all babies, two and under, in Bethlehem and in all its districts. Can you imagine a mayor or a governor or a president saying every child two years and under is to be killed? Can you imagine the horror? What would bring a person to that particular place? See, the thing about control is everybody has it. And Herod used his to murder babies. My question to you is, what will you do with the control of your life? Who will you give control of your life to? See, it has consequences, control. It led to murder. He didn't want anybody to take his throne. See, the reason that people don't want to serve God is because they don't want to lose the control of their life. They don't want somebody else to take the throne of their life. They want to call the shots. They want to be in charge. They want to make, be their own person. Live their own life. Had a wise youth pastor one time. There was a young person in the youth group that gotten away from God. He began to say he was mad at church. Mad at people at church. Mad at the things of the church. Mad at the pastor. And the youth pastor's wife, she said, no, nah, he ain't mad at all, y'all. He's not mad at all us. He just don't want to live for God. He just wants control of his life. And you stand in the way of it. Even Christian people, sometimes we have an issue with, with control. Okay, God, I'll serve you and I'll get to go to heaven, but I'm going to live my life, have my dreams and my goals, and things happen the way I want them to happen. I want to spend my money my way and, and have my date who I want to date, spend my free time how I want to spend my free time. Just let me get to heaven. And the problem with God is he doesn't play fair problem with God is he just doesn't give up control easily because he doesn't just want partial control. He wants full control. But I want you to know something. Giving control to God is not a letdown. Some people think when you give control to God that he makes you weird. Like you have to shave your head and go sell flowers at the airport. God's not like that. When you give control of your life to God, it is the greatest adventure any human being could ever live. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about today? Anybody giving your control of your life to God and realize he really does? It's not, it's not going down. You're going up. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a story. And if, I could, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you the story. It's a story of a prophet named Elijah. Just to show you how life is an adventure, this is one day in the life of serving God that he was going to have this battle of the ages. He was going to call all the false prophets of Israel, 450 of them, up into a mountain. And he was going to tell them, look, we're going to sacrifice to your God, and then we're going to sacrifice to my God. And we're going to see which God answers us. The people of Israel were confused. They didn't say anything, the Bible says. They were, they were those up on the mountain. And he says, all right. You go first. And the 450 prophets, they offer their sacrifice to their God. 
Nothing happens. Silence. Then all of a sudden, they begin, to, they begin to pray louder and ask their God to come. He never comes. They begin to cut themselves to the blood flowed out of their body, hoping that would cause their God to come. Elijah says, okay, y'all's turn. Y'all sit down. It's my turn. He, he stands up. He build, makes his altar. He puts his sacrifice and offers it to God. He douses it with water. He puts going to be around the altar and fills it with water just so they'll know that if God, when God comes, it's going to be God, nothing else. Takes up the sacrifice. It licks up all the water on the sacrifice. Even all the water in the moat, there's not one drop left when God gets done. From that particular point, he tells all the people of Israel, kill 450 of the prophets of false prophets of Baal. That takes place. Then he goes to a mountain and he says, look, it hadn't rained in three and a half years. It's going to begin to rain today. Then he goes and tells the king it's going to rain. The king heads back down the hill. And Elijah races down, beats the horse and chariot down to the ground on foot. Fastest man ever known to, 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 in the history of the world. Gets to the bottom of the hill, it starts raining. Gets to the bottom of the hill, Elijah, uh, Jezebel says she's going to kill the man who killed all the prophets. He begins a journey where he's going to go to a cave and try to and, and attempt to commit suicide. All one day of one man who decided to give control to God. Don't you tell me that the greatest life that you could ever live is the Christian life. Don't you tell me that the most exciting thing is to live by faith in Jesus. Because the most wonderful thing you could ever do is give complete control of your life to God and let him do something marvelous with it. I could tell you also about Noah and the life that he lived. That's pretty exciting. I could tell you about Moses and the life that he lived. You couldn't even make a Lifetime movie about that. I could tell you about Abraham and Joshua. I could tell you about Daniel, the life, the, the life he lived in a hungry den of lions, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that got thrown in a fiery furnace and never got burned, not even the hair of their head was burned. I could tell you about Peter and the life that he lived, or Saul who became Paul. I could go over and over throughout the Bible of people who lived the most incredible lives. And it's because they gave control up to God. I want you to make up your mind today. Everything I've got, I'm going to give to God. See, the thing is, King Herod held on to some stuff. King Herod just wasn't sure if he could give all of his control of his life to God, and it caused problems. But I want you to make up your mind that your life is going to be the adventure of a lifetime because it's going to count for something. It's going to be something that's because you're going to give control of everything to God. Now, can you, if you believe that, say amen. Now, the part of that that's tough to handle is you think, well, that sounds pretty good. But see, the thing is, to give control of your life is to give control of your time. To give control of your money. To give control of your future, of your dreams, of your aspirations. Those things are the most important to you. It's easy to say, yeah, I'll give control of my life to God. But when you give him everything, that's when it starts getting exciting. I have a friend I had lunch with, breakfast with this past week. He just retired. Worked 30 years for the government and just retired. He was talking about how retirement's not all it's cracked up to be. He said, the one word he said to me, he said, you know what? It's just kind of boring. And so I started preaching him this sermon right here. I said, you just need to give your time right now, your retirement years to God. Put, take control of your retirement years and give them to God. It'll be the most exciting retirement you've ever had that you could ever possibly imagine. 
when you give control of life to God, the adventure time begins. See, here's the thing. I had dreams and aspirations, and my dreams and aspirations were never standing on a stage and telling people about God. It wasn't. My dreams and aspirations looks a whole lot different. But I can promise you something. The people that had the same dreams and aspirations that I had today, they're not anywhere close to living the life that I live. Oh, it's the most fun you could ever find. It's the most joy. It make you crazy and laugh and cry all in the same moment. Amen? It's the most wonderful thing you could ever do to have to trust God for your next meal, to have to trust God for the next month, to have to trust God with your kids, to have to trust your God when you get sick, to have to trust God to know what, what's going to happen with the world. It's the most wonderful, thrilling thing you could ever have. I wouldn't trade this life for anything. The Christian, adventurous life. See, there's another reason. Because, see, the thing is, when you give control to God, not only does it make your life an adventure, it makes the life of the people around you an adventure. Am I right, honey? It's crazy, isn't it? In verse 21, 1 Kings 18, on Elijah's crazy adventurous day, he asked the people a question because they weren't sure if they were going to serve Baal or serve God. They just didn't know. And it reads like this. It says, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, if Baal follow him, but the people answered him not a word. They couldn't decide whether they were going to give up control yet. They couldn't decide who were they going to give their control to. But after his little expedition, in verse 38 says, The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their face, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down the brook and executed them there. See, the people all of a sudden made up their mind that day who they were going to give control to. And they decided to give it to the one true God. See, the thing is, is when you live for God, when you give control of your life to, to him, it affects not just you, it affects the people around you. The people around you begin to see and get a hold of it. They begin to see that God's somebody that you can trust. God's somebody you can depend upon. God's somebody who you can give every single dream and aspiration to, and he'll do something great with it. I love this story because I've lived for 32 years, and I've served in church for probably 30 of it, and it is the most wonderful, craziest ride you could ever have. I tell people, people that have known me, I said, look, I live the most crazy life you could ever imagine. And they ask me questions like, well, like, what do you do? They think, do you jump out of airplanes? Do, do you, like, swim the Amazon River? I mean, do you, do you do stuff like bungee jump over, like, the Grand Canyon or stuff like that? And I go, no. I pastor an Assembly of God church. I'm like, you couldn't. I, I, there's not enough airplanes I could jump out of to get what you get when you just attend an Assemblies of God church. I mean, every single week is different. One week, God will touch somebody. One week, God will heal somebody. One week, God will save somebody. It's different every single week. I don't know what to expect. One day, I come in, and the church van's gone. The next day, I come back, it's brought back. I just don't know what to expect. 
one day there's missionaries that come through. They're going all around the world telling people about Jesus. The next week, our kids are up here talking about God. The next week, I see a kid in, in, in Sunday night church just sitting here watching people. He was talking about this morning. It's the most craziest thing you'll ever see. The greatest adventure is giving control of your life to Jesus. When we got married, I just always kind of seemed to, I don't know if God puts this in you, but I, I learned very early in life, just like you did, that you only get one chance, don't you? I mean, there's not a do-over in, uh, in life. It's not like a video game, like you hit the reset button, you can play as many times as you want to. You get one chance. And I learned that. I was like, I want to get the most out of this thing I can. I, I want to do the, 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 make my life make an impact. And even when I, before I was even uh, saved, I just the Lord had put that in me. And after serving the Lord for all these years, I can think the greatest adventure is to give control of your life to God. The more you give to him, the greater the adventure. When we got married, we uh, drove off on a motorcycle. And uh, probably the first time I, well, maybe the first or second time I'd ever driven a motorcycle. And I was always terrified we were going to wreck. I mean, that'd ruin a good honeymoon, wouldn't it? It's just a wreck on the motorcycle. But they were playing a song on the motorcycle. Remember when we were driving off? Remember the name of it? It's called The Great Adventure. I mean, if there was ever the truth, and it's been like that since the beginning. People tell you, I have pastors and friends tell me, and they say, I live the most exciting, thrilling life. And I remember you used to think, and no, you're not. It's not an exciting, thrilling life to be a minister, to be a Christian. That's boring. Look at Hollywood. Look at Wall Street. Look at people that travel the world. That's an exciting life. And friend, before the, I came to God, I thought that was what life was really living. And then when I came to God, I was like, that ain't got nothing on Christian people. I ain't got nothing on Christian people. This is the greatest life you can ever live. Give your life to God. Give your time to God. Give your money to God. I got one amen. Give your life to serving other people. It's the most wonderful thing. Pastor Kerry, it sounds like you're trying to recruit people to work in church. Sounds like you're, to get, you're trying to get people to work in the nursery. I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And there may be just one, and I want to address that person. And you say, I've done that before. I've worked in God's church, been involved in work of the kingdom of God. And I've served my time. I'm really done with that. You know, I feel like I've kind of checked that box in life, and I really, you know, just feel like I've already done that. And, and I want you to go back and think over your life, the times that you've been the happiest in your life, times where you've been the most fulfilled in your life, the, the times that you enjoyed waking up in the morning. It's the time where you were somewhere, somehow doing something for Jesus. Think about it. Was the time that you were the happiest when you got that raise? Well, that was pretty good, but it kind of went away after a while because you spent all that money. Was the time that you were the most excited, the time in your life when maybe you, had, you went on the, the vacation, your dream vacation? Well, yeah, but after it was over, things went back to normal. But the time that you're the most fulfilled in your life is when you were doing and spending your life, not just for something for this world, but something for eternity. It's the greatest adventure ever.
was sitting, went to eat the other day. And uh, we were kids pastors before. This is our third church to pastor. And it took us three times to get it right. Amen. And we were kids pastors for 10 years. And so there was a young man that was in our kids ministry who's now, he's older. And he, um, he was, he's, he's gone off to Hollywood and he kind of got involved in the Hollywood scene and he is in the modeling world. He's really a, I hate to say this, he's really a pretty man. I mean, he's really nice. It's not the right word to say, is it? He really is handsome, handsome, handsome. And, um, but anyway, he's come back home. And so we saw him at the restaurant one day, you know, and when we sat down, he came and sat down with us and started talking. And you know, while he was talking, he never really talked about anything that, um, that he had done. He hadn't really talked about any kind of like modeling jobs or any kind of acting or anything like that he talked about, which I kind of thought he would, having been gone for 10 years. But what he talked about, he brought it up. He said, hey, Miss Leanne, do you remember in kids' church when there, you gave quiet seat prizes out? And, of course, when you're in kids' ministry for 10 years, you give out lots of quiet seat prizes. And he says, you remember one day, he said, I think he was like 9 or 10. He said, now I was sitting there. He said, you gave one to the boys and one to the girls. He said, and you gave me the quiet seat prize. He's 30-something, you're 32 years old. He said, I still have that quiet seat prize. See, what impacted him was not what Hollywood had to offer. What impacted him not was what, not what New York had, had, had to offer. But what impacted him is what Jesus had done for him. Come on, somebody. There's going to come a day, and I'm talking to somebody today. And I'm not talking about maybe you don't know the Lord. You just don't want to give control of your life. Maybe you're just, just somebody who's been in church a while. And there comes a time when the Lord asks us, you know, to give us, give, give us more of ourselves to him. And I want to just ask you to make a decision today. Say, God, I'm going to give you more of me. And here's what I know will happen. See, every one of us is going to pass away. Everyone else may be on a deathbed or something like that. But when you're on your deathbed and you're thinking back to the time <laughs> that Pastor Kerry preached this sermon about giving control of your life up, if you gave a little bit more control today than you did before, you're going to look, at, look back on your life and you're going, to go, you're going to go, I thank God Pastor Kerry brought me to preach about giving control of my life up to him. To God, not Pastor Kerry, to God. But if you don't, you say, I'm going to hold on to my dreams. I'm going to hold on to my time. I'm going to hold on to my life. You're going to be there on that, that hospital bed. And you're going to look back. And you're going to think, God, how I wished, I wished I would have given him more of me. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.